Pato so far. Here comes Pato. Torres. Pato, the header! Yes, finally! Finally, the first goal on it from a set piece for Orlando. 59 minutes. Cara makes it 1 nothing. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Orlando Soccer Show. After a week off, we are back doing the show. And we're talking about a win for Orlando City, plus U.S. Open Cup draw. Pride back underway this weekend. City back underway this weekend away from home. OCB, they dropped their first game of the season, and they are now heading to the same place that Orlando is. So there is a a lot to talk about. From the last two weeks, we won't spend too much on last week because, well, nothing good happened last week. Uh, or two weeks ago, shall I say. Either way, let's get started. Kyle Foley is here with me. Yeah. Sports. Soccer. Ball. Goal. All of those adjectives are correct. Just got to put them in the right order. Could have been giving you a little Yoda speak there. It's true. You have been playing a lot of the uh, Lego Star Wars games, so. I'll I'll, I'll give you a pass for that. Either way, start with Orlando City, and then we'll kind of move progressively through to Pride and then OCB. So Orlando City won. They broke their two-game losing streak at home, which, folks, I I just want to remind you, they lost two games all season last year at home. So they've already hit their quota for losses at home this year. Uh, But they did not continue that trend against the Chicago Fire, despite, oh my God, they had so many chances. So many chances, Kyle. And you already know this because I posted this in in the group the other day about what the expected goals for Orlando City were against a 10 man, by the end of it, Chicago Fire. Kyle, do you know... What the one nothing win should have been based on expected goals for Orlando City. Shouldn't have should have been like three nothing. Four nothing. At the, at the very least, it was three point four five expected goals to Chicago's point four three. That's bad for Orlando. Good that they dominated the game. Bad that they could not finish. Some would say that that was UCF-like because when you go to UCF, you can't finish. That's only if you step on the the Pegasus and the the student, um, the student union. Yeah, you can't step in the middle. I actually don't entirely agree that it's bad for Orlando. I mean, obviously not ideal, not not finishing. Uh, all of us, you know, we we don't have any trouble finishing here. But I think the fact that that many shots, like being that dominant, eventually the goals come if you can be that. Do- and it's not been the first time that we've statistically that, that Orlando City has been dominant like that. So I, I think if if we're sitting here looking in like July and August and we're still seeing Orlando put up that much of a difference in terms of expected goals and only scoring once, then I think it's a problem. For now, it's optimism that things are finally going in the right direction. Yeah, but the the, the issue is that 
this offensive performance was against a 10-man Chicago team. Um, it was full 11v11 for the first half an hour of the game, and and Orlando kind of struggled to break down Chicago's very stringent defense, and that was kind of expected going into the game. However, when you hit the uh, what 43rd minute, right before halftime, Gutierrez gets his second yellow, which was debated on the broadcast as well as around the league about if it should have been a second yellow or if the first yellow should have been a yellow. Either way, Orlando's up a man just before halftime. They can't take advantage of it, but uh, they do score in the 59th minute. Urchon Kara gets his first goal as a Lion, which I just wrote an article on the Sentinel about how Urchon Kara hasn't scored yet, and then he scores. So naturally, after the game, because there was a quote that he said. He said, uh, "You know, it's it's not about me. It's a it's a not a me. It's a we kind of thing." He's kind of paraphrasing there, but he said, "You know, it's 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 more important that we win games. It's not about an individual performance." And I said, "Well, Urchon, your individual performance won your team the game. So, what do you say about that?" And he, of course, went and said, "Well." You know, I helped, but it's more about the win. And if I can do whatever I can to help, that's fine with me. So, yeah, credit to Urchon. He says the right things, but I'm sure he was buzzing for for his first goal. And the the goal came off a set piece, which, by the way, Kyle, here's a fun fact: that was their first set piece goal of the season, and they were the last team in MLS to score a set piece goal. That fact was not very fun. No. Uh, in fact, most of the fa- most of the fun facts that I share are not usually that fun. Also, fun fact, and and by fun fact I mean not fun. Uh, those two games that they lost, they haven't done that since 2019. Yeah, it is indeed not fun. No, and we all remember how 2019 went. Well, either way, um, Chicago conceded only their second goal of the season against any opponent, and honestly, that is kind of pretty good all things considered like they they had four clean sheets in the season going into the game they i think tied an mls record for allowing only one goal through five games which was done only three times before going against a defensive team albeit a 10-man defensive team and scoring against a very bunkered in defensive team gotta give credit to them And, and and that's the thing when you look at the one nothing win for Orlando and you say, Wow, they you know, they they had twenty one shots. Why couldn't they score more? When you're down a man and you are a defensive minded team, it is so hard to break down those those eleven, you know, well, ten guys behind the ball. Because let's face it, there wasn't much attack from Chicago. It was all counterattack. I think it was like 60-40 possession for Orlando. So, like, dominant statistically for Orlando, and they got the win. That, that's that's good. That's good for them. Yeah, I think, and and you said it right, talking about how, like, there's an already, they're an already strong defensive team. And so, as soon as they go down a man, they're just going to, It's it's like a turtle hiding back in its shell and it becomes very, very difficult to penetrate. So I think scoring the goal, obviously like people, people assume you go up a man and you're basically guaranteed to score. Like why, why aren't you scoring a bunch when you're up, you know, when it's 11 on 10, but it's hard. 
and it's hard for a reason, uh, especially if you're playing teams that are already defensively strong. Yeah, no, honestly, with with Orlando, these these kind of victories are good to get when you when you're trying to penetrate that back line, especially in the second half. I think I talked to, um, I talked to Urchan and I talked to. Oh, who else did I talk to? Sebas. Sebas Mendez did his first interview in English, and he was just talking about how, honestly, bringing in Junior Urso helped a lot in that second half. Uh, It was Mendez and Araujo in the first half, and they're basically kind of the same player. So when you bring in a guy like Junior Urso, who's a box-to-box midfielder who can kind of change the dynamic and doesn't just sit behind the defense, you know, when, when when you go up a man, it kind of allows you to go a bit more offensive minded. So, I think that the idea of having Mendez and Araujo playing together was just to shore up the defense because you have Schlegel and Janssen still kind of getting their cohesion together. But when you bring in a guy like Junior Urso, who is much more attacking-minded than he is defensive, he still gets back defensively, sure. But when you look at like his positions, his average kind of positions of where he was, like he's higher up the field and he's getting into much more kind of dangerous areas in the attacking third when Orlando has possession of the ball. So it's a nice piece to have depending on the opponent. Because sometimes you don't want that kind of player to, to go up high, and that's when you have an Araujo and Mendez. But to have three guys can that can play those positions, it's, it's really kind of frozen out Andres Perea. And, well, to be honest, the last time he got a, a shout on the field – Uh, like a real shout was a penalty shout that he conceded so he doesn't come in for for very long anymore unfortunately that's how the game goes you 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 lose your spot and there's not much you can do about it that do be how the cookie crumbles it do be so uh, i'm gonna give you some insights now as we look ahead to columbus um columbus is is a pretty good team right now honestly they are currently in the standing seventh but they're also at eight points compared to Orlando's 11. So like it's, it's a game. It's a win. You know, it doesn't make much of a difference this early in the season. The last time these two teams played Columbus beat Orlando three, two back in October. Um, and that was, I think their first win in five games against a uh, city. And, um, well, let's just, let's, let's, let's put it to you this way. Uh, Columbus has an all-time record of four wins, one draw, one loss against Orlando City at home. So, hmm. Not a great place to play for Orlando City, in, historically speaking. However, looking at Columbus's form lately, they've lost back-to-back games. Both one nothing losses. One to Nashville, which... Yeah, that that sounds about right for Nashville to lose one nothing one nothing to them. They score and then they defend, uh, and then Philadelphia, Columbus historically hasn't gone three straight MLS games without scoring since 2019, which by the way included a two nothing loss to Orlando City. So that's a little fun fact. Another fun fact that you can take home to your kids. Columbus has not really used their bench all that much this season. They've only used 17 players this season. 12 of them have been in every single game. Um, 
but that that's the most in the entire league of just like the short amount of bench that they've used so depth is not necessarily a strong shoot for the crew or at least they they haven't really utilized their depth as of yet kind of an interesting dynamic where basically you know what they're going to play you know who's going to play and there really isn't much of a difference in terms of what to expect so that that is kind of good in and of itself just to, to kind of know what you're coming up against um another little thing to to note kevin molino you, you remember kevin molino right kyle uh played for orlando city in the usl and mls uh traded to minnesota played there for years under his former coach adrian heath is now went to columbus um he has yet to play a game this season unfortunately still rehabbing from another knee injury that's like his third or fourth since he's been in the league which is just devastating for him because he's on the wrong side of 30 now but hopefully he gets back sometime soon uh, but he will not feature against orlando uh another fun fact for you pato he has contributed to a goal in his last three appearances so he's got a goal and two assists to his credit and um that's quite a difference from his first couple matches in MLS because, well, he was involved in one goal in his first eight matches in MLS play. As I say, he's already been involved in more goals this season than he was in all last year combined. Obviously, he got hurt early on, but that is true. Just something to note. He's been contributing, and it's it's been good to see. Goal contributions are imperative, and considering how active he was yesterday or the last game out against uh chicago you want that kind of performance again and i feel like they're probably going to go ahead and give him the start on the on the wing again um he's he got so many different opportunities from the wing positions where cara uh, his touch was just kind of off yeah he scored the goal but his his touch wasn't was letting him down more times than not and i think ponto was probably the the best player in the game from both sides other than Slonina who was their goalkeeper but I mean he, he you know had a good number of saves can't really do much with that uh the good news for Orlando City no injuries outside of Antonio Carlos who is out for the next four to six weeks with that hamstring injury uh the team did not clarify if it was a tear or just a strain but uh from pictures that i've seen on his social media he's been kind of moving normally so it may not be as bad and it did not need surgery so that is always good to not have to go under the knife can we can we also just take a brief minute and talk about because just because you mentioned him so i'm gonna take a brief minute uh Slonina, mm. very good mm-hmm. oh he's getting looks Fu- from europe that is that is future of the u.s men's national team right there in the goalkeeping uh... position I don't know if he's American. He is American. He was born in Illinois, but he's he's um, Polish descent. And I know the Polish national team has actually had a look at him. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He's he's our future. Yeah. Well, he's only played one game for the USU twenties, so uh, probably should get him more involved. He's uh, by the way, Kyle. Guess how old he is? He's seventeen. Yeah. 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 No, he was born. He was born in two thousand four. Jesus Christ. Kyle, how do you think I feel? Yeah, but I, I expect you to feel old because you are old. <laughs> I haven't hit 30 yet. I'm still allowed to feel young. Yeah, I know. And yet you feel Although, old in this uh, situation. Uh, 
Yeah, and it one in a month. I'm no. I'm now going to be in my my late twenties because I'll be mm. in the back half of my twenties, and that's just unfortunate. Back to Orlando yeah. City. Um, it's going to be an interesting game, not because of who they're playing or any of the other stuff that I mentioned, but because this is going to be their first of three games over the next eight days. So not only do they have their home game on Sunday against the uh, New York Red Bulls, but they also have a midweek game, and it is what everybody wanted for the U.S. Open Cup, the Tampa Bay Rowdies. The I-4 Derby returns to Orlando, and uh, folks, if you've been around Orlando City since the days of old, this is the team that everybody hates. It is a mutual hatred for both sides. Uh, Ralph's mob for the Tampa Bay Rowdies hates Orlando City, and the Iron Line firm and Ruckus hate Tampa Bay Rowdies. And this um, this is more of a fan rivalry than a team rivalry because, well, none of the ta- players for either team have been in this situation before. Heck, the only person that's been involved in this game that's on either side still is probably Miguel Gallardo, who actually played in the game back in 2013 and 14. But this was uh, a rivalry that boiled over into the stands quite a bit. So the I-4 Derby, just to give you a bit of context and history, started in 2013 when the Tampa Bay Rowdies in Orlando City played preseason Derby games, one home, one away. Uh, Orlando City won both. And it was, I think, the only game that James O'Connor ever scored in for Orlando City. So that's a fun fact, because he he wasn't a goal scorer. Having him score a goal against the Rowdies, very fun. If I remember correctly, they played the Rowdies earlier in 2013 in the Walt Disney World Pro Soccer Classic, where they won 2-0. And I think Dennis Chin and Jamie Watson scored both of those goals. And that was back at Wild World of Sports. Then the I-4 Derby happened where they played in Orlando. And Jamie Watson, James O'Connor scored that. And then uh, Jean Alexander scored the game-winning goal in the 70th minute against the Rowdies. That was back at when it was called Fifth Third Bank Field, which is the Citrus Bowl. Uh, And then they went to St. Pete and won 3-2 as well. And guess who scored the game winner in stoppage time for Orlando City? You know him. You love him. Do I love him? I don't know. Do you? Who, you, who you is You used it? to? Who do you think it is? It's Dom Dwyer. Oh. Yeah, no, I don't think I, I, don't think I loved him. <laughs> well, for fans in 2013, you loved him. Maybe not now. He's playing in Atlanta. <sighs> Kevin Bellino and Adama Mbenge scored in that one as well. So that was the beginning of it. Both 3-2 wins for Orlando City. And that was back when the Tampa Bay Rowdies were in NASL. So that was the second division. Orlando City was third division. So it was kind of like, oh, you're losing to the the little guys. I I was talking to Miguel earlier, and he said, well, what what, what does that say about losing to the little guys twice in a row if you're supposedly the bigger guys? And then NASL folds. So go figure. (laughs) This is very different from the... I-4 Derby, because this is U.S. Open Cup. There's actual, you know, things on the line here to move up and move out into a a, a very good opportunity to to win trophies. You know, as as a minor league club going up against the major league teams, it's it's a fun opportunity to, to play in. Now, 
the I-4 Derby continued into 2014, where Orlando won 3-0 at Disney. And here's a trivia one for you. Adam Mbengi and Dennis Chin scored in that. But Brian Kobe Spann, who I don't know if is still playing professional soccer anymore, scored in a 3-0 win against the Rowdies. And then in St. Pete, they played a mid-season game of the I-4 Derby where Orlando won 3-2. And uh, Corey Herzog scored the game winner in the 75th minute. Now, that's all well and good. So that's four, you know, officially five games played against the Rowdies. One in the World Pro Soccer Classic preseason and four in the I-4 Derby, right? 2014 also brought in the added bonus of playing them in the U.S. Open Cup. Now, this was by far the best win that Orlando had because it actually had meaning to it. So they played the Rowdies in Sanford at their old training complex, and they won 4-1. to one. Uh, Kevin Molino had a brace. Austin Deleuze scored in the 22nd minute, and Adama and Bengay scored in the 26th. And, well, Tampa Bay got one back, but that was not necessarily a, a terrible result, uh, all things considered. Now, that was the last game they won in the U.S. Open Cup that year because then they went to play uh, the Colorado Rapids in 2014, who, funny enough, they beat in 2013. And this this goes kind of way, way back into like more inside situations. But 2013 U.S. Open Cup run from Orlando City was an interesting one because after beating their local team in Ocala, they played Oscar Pereja's Colorado Rapids and beat them 3-1. Now, here's the funny thing. A couple of MLS Orlando City players ended up playing for the Rapids in that game in 2013, including one Shane O'Neill. So, interesting times. You know, they, they, they played in... Uh, they played in Orlando. Dom Dwyer scored and uh, scored twice, in fact. But it's just kind of funny to see Oscar Pereja back then to Oscar Pereja now with Orlando. So he's got a, he's got some history playing in Orlando in the U.S. Open Cup, and this is this is going to be his official first U.S. Open Cup game with Orlando City, not against them. But there's a lot of history with this team in USL. Not so much in MLS. Um, they've played a couple games in preseason. Um, nothing really to, to write home about necessarily. They've, you know, they, they've got a few. Uh, I think they had a couple games where they didn't announce exactly who they were, or what the score was. Okay, so they've officially played seven times. This will be the seventh meeting all-time in official competitions because they played three times in 2013 and three times in 2014, including the U.S. Open Cup in 2014. In MLS times, they played in 2017 preseason, 2020 preseason, and then once in 2022 preseason. So three preseason games against uh, Tampa Bay, and I think they've all won all of them. So... If you're going by preseason games, this is the 10th game. But if you're going just by official competitions, this is the 7th all-time meeting between the two teams. And also, this game this game is being held on a national holiday, uh, 420, at 7 o'clock. I can't argue, I can't argue with that. Yeah. 
that was a lot of the comments that I got on social media where it's just like, why are they holding this game on a national holiday? Blaze it. <laughs> so anyways, I- I'm excited about this game. Um, hopefully next week we'll get some more time to preview it with some former Orlando City players who played in some of those games. Uh, but we'll we'll keep you posted on some of that. Um, definitely stay tuned for all of that. Now, um, we'll leave it at that for Orlando City. Really nothing else to report as of right now. And we'll talk about the Orlando Pride. Well, things could be going better for the Pride because, unfortunately, they've caught the injury bug that Orlando City has seemingly avoided for the most part. Like I said before, Orlando City has only one injury on their report. Pride, not so much. Uh, They have a number of players out, including Sidney LaRue and Aaron McLeod, two of their veteran leaders. Uh, Gunny Yon's daughter is on international duty, as is Has James. They're going to be out for this game this weekend against uh, the North Carolina Courage. So they're going to be missing eh, four of their starters. Um, Some of their rookies have not trained at all this preseason. Caitlin Cosme has been running around the pitch and has not actually trained with the team. She's on the 45-day disabled list. Uh, Julie Doyle, also another draft pick, has not trained up until this past week. She's finally getting into the fray of things, and she's a striker, so that is helpful because, uh, well, they they didn't really deploy a true striker in their game two weekends ago against uh, Washington. So that was a bit of a struggle bus to watch where they lost four to one. Other than that, they have a couple of nicks and knocks, but it, it's just a struggle for them because yeah, it's a new team. They're young. You're already out. Marta, who's the best player in the world. One of the best in the generation. I talked to Michelle Akers and she was just talking about how, amazing it is to work with such a player like that and when I talked to Amanda about Michelle who was arguably the best player of her generation talking to Marta who's the best player of her generation like them trading ideas and like working on the pitch together like is just something you don't ever get to see and it's something really really special so the other thing with with Michelle is that she had so many knee injuries in her career that she's still getting like problems from her knees because they were, were repaired so many times. So it's very nice to have a player, a person like Michelle around who can kind of be someone that Marta can lean on throughout this process and kind of talk to and be like, you know, how did you kind of handle this? And she's been there and done that. And the one thing she, she said about Marta is that, you know, knowing the kind of person, the player that she is, she's going to come back and she's going to be, stronger and better than she ever was before she's not going to be the same player because you you learn a little bit more about yourself going through this process and you have to adapt to the way your movement is but uh she's the kind of person that will put in the work to be back even though she's you know maybe closer to retiring people think she's uh you know she's she's ready to call it a day but michelle says it's it's probably going to continue on and you know, hopefully it's in Orlando because she's only signed that one-year contract. So that's uh, what's going on for the Pride right now. Again, it's, it's preseason right now, technically. They've got these Challenge Cup games coming, but uh, it's almost over. I, like, thankfully for, for Orlando, it's almost over. And when you look at the next couple games, they play North Carolina, and then they play Gotham, 
and that's it. That's the end of the Challenge Cup. You get a couple weeks off before you play May 1st, and they're hosting Gotham again. So another time for Allie Krieger and Ashlyn Harris to come back, and hopefully everybody's kind of healthy by then. But for these next two games, you're going to see a lot of movement, a lot of rotation, a lot of players who have not played a lot, probably getting some playing time in order to see what what the heck they have. Because that's the biggest thing is like they don't know what they truly have on the field. Kyle, any thoughts? No. (laughs) (laughs) I've not been watching much because it's preseason for them. So injury is not great. So that also makes it harder to judge. True. So, I don't know. It's it's hard to glean anything from an injured team in preseason. You're absolutely right with that. And it's even harder for, for coaches because they're trying to figure out what the heck they have on their field and everyone keeps getting injured around them. So, yeah, it's it's, it's tough. Now, I will tease this a little bit. Um, sometime between the final game of the Challenge Cup and the first game of the regular season, we'll be having a big preview on the Orlando Sentinel. Um kind of teased it a bit earlier but I talked to Amanda um she shared her story a bit about like kind of the the process of of how it's been the last couple months um what she like getting to know her as a person uh being back in Orlando and and kind of experiencing the new city of Orlando because you know when she left back in the 2012-2013 time it was a very different city and a lot has changed a lot has grown and she's she's really enjoyed a lot of her time just kind of experience in the city plus folks she got married kind of shared a little bit about what being married is like because that's not something she ever thought she'd ever do so uh be sure to pick up a copy of that sometime over the next couple weeks and uh, i'll probably tweet out something about it once it actually happens but pride courage saturday seven City, Columbus, Saturday, 7.30. Both of them going on almost the exact same time. So uh, prepare yourself for soccer all day. Very exciting. Now, uh, the last thing outside of Pride and City, it's OCB. Uh, Orlando City B played their first game against Inter-Miami 2 this past weekend. And um, it was the debut for Kembal Guadalupe, the Peruvian center back who's been with the academy for the last two years now. Uh, he officially signed and has debuted for the team now. And, well, they lost. Uh, <laughs> put it to you this way. Javier Otero, the goalkeeper for Orlando City B, currently leads the league in saves. Kyle, what does that tell you if your goalkeeper leads the league in saves? means you're allowing a lot of shots yes uh defensively not great um they had brandon hackenberg thomas williams kimbo guadalupe and alex freeman at their back line and it, it did not go well um honestly alex freeman he had a, a number of costly turnovers thomas williams picked up a, a very silly yellow card um kimbo was was okay but again they're just allowing a lot of shots this season, and and they haven't found consistency and cohesion within the the kind of frame of their defense. You know, offensively, they've been pretty decent. Um, they've created some some decent chances, but I, like they they just need they need a lot of help to kind of figure things out. And. Man, I I just I think there's a lot of potential 
go figure. OCB, potential, but especially for a player like Javier Otero. So he is just, he's long, he is young, and he has a very good awareness for his box. Right? He's 19 years old and he's six foot six. And I think I've talked about him on the show before, but he is definitely a player to watch. Uh, I know Mason has, has finally gotten his opportunity after joining from the academy at 17 years old, but Javier Otero is definitely a player that may get a shot at the MLS level at some point soon. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting season for MLS Next Pro and Orlando City B. I really don't know what kind of team they're going to be yet. It's still very hard to figure them out just based on their, their last couple performances and who they've played because it's still new. All the teams are new. Still trying to figure things out. But we'll see. Maybe maybe some of these guys get picked up for the uh, U.S. Open Cup game and uh, get to play. There was an interesting question asked at, uh, at training today. What's older, U.S. Open Cup or the World Cup? The U.S. Open Cup. That is correct. Do you know how many years it is older by? Uh, didn't it start in... You're looking it up, when aren't did you? It st- no, I'm, no, I'm really not. When did it start? <laughs> uh, the U.S. Open Cup? That was 1914. Yeah. Okay, I had 1908 in my head, so I was kind of close. That's the last World time the Cup, that was the the Cubs winning the World Series. <laughs> uh, the World Cup started in the was it the 50s. Uh, no, 1930. So 17 year oh, difference. Oh, so it was before. That. Oh, okay. Yep. I didn't know the World Cup had been around for that long. I definitely knew the Open Cup was older. It was funny because they were asking that question at training today, and I, I think they asked it to Robin, and he's like. You know, which one's which one's older, the U.S. Open Cup or the World Cup? And he's like, the Swedish Cup. I'm like, are you sure? And yeah. then I went and looked at it, and it's not. It's it's actually younger than both of them because it was founded in 1941. <laughs> oh. But he said it with such confidence. I'm like, should I tell him? I don't I don't think I should tell him. That's, but it's it's always funny when 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 some of these questions come up. A lot of the players are just like frightened to answer because they they they're worried they're going to be wrong, and <laughs> and it's going to make it seem like they don't know. Well, like the last, I mean, the last time the the question was how many, you know, which ones they're more of windows or door or doors or wheels. So like, yeah, but that's an easy one. The answer is wheels. So some people were saying doors, though. That's fine. But there are also, you know, people who vote Republicans. So always people who are wrong in the world. (laughs) Yeah. So that I mean, that's that's the thing with uh, some of these guys is just they're, they're they're a bit more camera shy. You know, as soon as the as soon as the question comes out, they go the opposite way of where the camera is. Eventually, they'll just ask him a very easy question. It's going to be f- uh, fun. I'm going to have to come to training someday and, and ask some questions. Yeah, just like... I feel like, I, I feel like I I mean, have some... I'll is have a some hot dog a sandwich? Bangers. Does pineapple That's belong a, on a pizza? Uh, well, pineapple on pizza is a, is a terrible question. That one's overused. Hot dog is a sandwich I think also might be overused. Mm. Um, I think there's definitely some some better ones I can come up with for sure. Yeah, you just got well, to time to think about it. As I say, I got to spend some time to think about it, and I, I can't spoil them. Of course, you know, no. We the, we got to keep them fresh for, for the, the audience. For the, exactly. There you go. Okay. Now that we've gone through Orlando City, Orlando Pride, and Orlando City B, it is time to wrap up the rest of our show. So, uh, first, we're going to have to go into our Uncle Iroh inspirational quote of the week. Again, just to preface, Uncle Iroh from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Uh, we're sharing some interesting and inspirational quotes from him 
to get you through your week. So here it is, Uncle Iroh's inspirational quote. In this world, we are born to shit and forced to wipe. It's not so much inspirational, more just kind of like very, very life related. I don't, I don't know. But anyways, that's that's the that's the quote for this week. Do do you feel inspired, Kyle, to wipe? No, I never wipe. Ah, <laughs> uh, you you said that very quickly, which means which tends to make me think that you actually don't, and I worry for your safety and sanity. I mean, like like what's next? We're supposed to like change our underwear. You know it's biodegradable, right? Mm. Every 30 days, mm. they disintegrate. Mm. <laughs> you telling me this is not what I'm supposed to be doing? No. No, Kyle, you you are not. Well, this is awkward. Uh, folks, if you'd like to donate to Kyle's new underwear fund, please tweet at him at kfoleyfl. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, continuing on with our post post wrap up show section um kyle it's going to be time for our weird news and red cards but first we're going to go back and look and say where are they now for orlando city we did double up for pride a couple weeks ago so we're doubling up on orlando city this time round, and we're asking the question where are they now for rafa ramos remember that guy he has been playing over sees in uh, Portugal the last couple of years, where he's actually been playing, by the way. He has now made an official transfer to Corinthians in Brazil. He's 27 years old now. He last played for Orlando back in 2017, I believe, where he was traded to Chicago, played a few games for them, uh, got involved in an altercation that resulted in a red card, naturally. Um and then he, he got left out and has now been playing. I think he played in the Netherlands for a season, then played in Portugal for three, um, and is now joining Corinthians for his uh, new upcoming season. So that is where oft injured, but now not seemingly. He hasn't been injured quite a bit, so he's actually played a number of games. In his last three seasons, he's only played 44, and in his tenure with Orlando City, he played in 39. So, uh, kind of tracks, actually. Yikes. Anyways, 27-year-old Rafa Ramos. That's where they are now. I remember when he was signed as a 20-year-old. That was seven years ago. I remember ah. when he got sent off in Columbus because I was there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's crazy is he's only ever scored one professional goal, and it was in USL when he was first loaned to Orlando City with the main man, Estrella. Hey, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yep, but we're saving that for another. Where are they now? Because this week was Rafa Ramos. Anyways, it's time for our weird news and red cards. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm ready. I've got this. Okay, so we'll go weird news first. Of course, weird news. Weird news first, Kyle. What is your weird news that you're very excited to share? Pink Floyd, a fugitive flamingo on the run for 17 years from a Kansas zoo, has been spotted on tour in Texas. I would like to know more. 
Oh, okay. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the the, the accent on a stormy Independence Day in Wichita, Kansas, in 2005. Flamingo number four nine two went rogue. The bird was spotted around 600 miles away Monday, and this is this this article is a little a little like a week old, two weeks old. And nearly 17 years later, by fishing guide and angler David Foreman, according to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. First of all, how did he know? Like, obviously, it must have been tagged somehow, but. It was, I mean, I don't know how he could figure out which one it was, but they couldn't find it for 17 years. Uh, he's actually one of 40 flamingos brought from Tanzania in Africa to Kansas's Sedgwick County Zoo hmm. in 2003. It was two or three years old when it arrived, which would make it about 20 now, almost old enough to legally drink. Although, as we all know, flamingos don't believe in laws. So what you're saying is Inter Miami is is above the law. Well, wait, wait, hold on a second. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, ah, uh, hmm. uh, walked into an interesting one there. Um, uh, huh? They're not. So they're not a hundred percent sure it's him. Sounds like they're doing some guessing. But it's a promotional thing, probably. It's like, hey, look, it's that p- flamingo who ran away 15 years ago. 17 years ago. Get oh, your facts right. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, to be fair, though, if I lived in Wichita, Kansas, I would also run away for 17 years. So <laughs> but do to Texas, not blame him. To Texas, though? Well, I mean, Texas has, like, Austin. I mean, they've got a couple areas that are okay. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Like, overall, it's not great, but I mean, there are worse places. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Now, um... I my weird news story involves the Brazilian military. I think <laughs> I shared a story similar to this for a different military, not Brazil, but one of the South American uh, militaries years and years ago. Because this 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 sounds very oddly familiar. So the Brazil military used their military funding to uh, buy a crap ton of Viagra for its troops, and also sixty penis implants for reasons not divulged. Um, so the defense military has officially approved the purchase of 60 penis prosthetics. Uh, and they did not respond to comment to why. Uh, why are they spending public money to pay for these prosthetics? The Brazilian people struggle s- to get medicine and yet they by dick pumps and such. When when you say penis prosthetics, how many of like how many dildos do we think they bought? Well, no, they they said wouldn't 60. That technically 60. count as a so like is that well they said penis implants. A, a dildo is different, but it is a penis prosthetic. So we need to get to the bottom of this. Hmm. Going to have to get some more uh journalism going here. Uh so okay, here we go. Uh the military bought 60 inflatable silicon penises. Oh, penile implants. 60 inflatable silicone penile implants at the cost of between fifty and 60,000 uh, rice, which is ten to $12,000, for each of the different military hospitals. So $700,000 was total spent on these penis implants. Are, are Brazilian troops losing their penises at an alarming rate? I'm just, maybe, I'm it's, just ima- maybe it's a side effect of COVID. <laughs> I'm just imagining they just like keep losing their penises in battle. 
What else would they be using these for? Like, I don't understand. 60, 60 soldiers shot in the dick. I feel like we would have seen that news but, story. And also, to mix in the 35,000 Viagra pills that they bought. Well, those are all for uh, Bolsarno, the uh, president. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they they said, th- well, they said that the pills were to treat patients with pulmonary arterial hypertension, which is just high blood pressure. Because I guess, you know, taking all the blood from everywhere else and just, you know, putting it to your dick helps helps relieve high blood pressure. Well, and then if they put too much and the penis explodes, then they have the implant to re- replace it. <laughs> A satirical website said, uh, and I quote, some say these pills are to help the armed forces fuck democracy even harder. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, they're no longer called the armed forces. They're now called the third-legged forces. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's let's round out the show. Uh, do you have any red cards or playing advantages? I do. I, you know, I'm actually feeling pretty good, so I'm going to just play an advantage. Okay. And that is to Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. Mm. It is a it is a top tier game. Mm-hmm. Just I mean, visually stunning. The music, obviously, it's Star Wars, so it's it's already goaded. There is voice acting for, for all the characters, which is phenomenal. There Solid. are so many jokes. There are so many jokes about you know, Anakin not liking sand, which are which is amazing. There's, uh, you know, I am the Senate jokes. There's just, there's just, it's the Lego humor that we've all come to know and love. But now, with voice acting, because the older Lego Star Wars games didn't have that, so they're able to do even more with the humor. Um, yeah, it is, it is incredible. Uh, they fundamentally changed the way the gameplay feels and functions too. There's like. Uh, combos and like there's actually it's more than just like mash like two different buttons for everything you need to do in the game so it is definitely a very 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 well done remaster plus adding in new stuff for the new episodes and it is it's very good I'm very I'm very happy I'm very glad I've had the opportunity to play it's a very very and it just brings back all those childhood memories just the opening like video montage um, like load in thing is top just absolute top notch i'm very excited to play this game i need to go get it but i kind of want it like a physical copy problem is everywhere sold out so uh rip to me yeah it is very popular yeah um my red card today is to it's not really a red card it's more just a like kind of homage to uh gilbert Gottfried. Uh, who passed away this this past week? Um, who he was just the voice of a generation, and and by that I mean, when you heard his voice, you know exactly who was talking, because well, he was iconic, and uh, I'm very sad that he is now gone, because he brought the classics such as reading Fifty Shades of Grey, and um, my God. That is that is something. If you've ever heard Gilbert Gottfried read Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, he, he he gave uh, a, a very famous line from that. In fact, uh, so let's let's go ahead and just, just. Holy fuck! Is this wrong? 
But holy hell, is it erotic? Only Gilbert Gottfried could deliver something like that, and we will all miss him here at the Orlando Soccer Show. So in honor of the late Gilbert Gottfried, we have added uh, money of his different lines into our soundboard. So uh, as the show goes on, when Brad is back, uh, we'll hopefully have a few to, to play in. But uh, rest in peace. Our soundboard is basically like the Oscars in memoriam segment. We're just going to keep adding people that are no longer with us. <laughs> so sad though everyone's dying yeah but if there's a way to honor people like i feel like for gilbert gottfried for example like the best way to honor him is by playing stuff like that and like that's the way he would have wanted it yeah it's the way he wanted to be known when he was alive so that's the way we're gonna remember him this is the way and with that i think we'll call it a day so uh for kyle foley i am austin david Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We will be back next week, hopefully with some former Orlando City players, to preview the Orlando City Tampa Bay Rowdies game. I'm excited for it. City this weekend, Pride this weekend, OCB this weekend on Friday, also in Columbus. So with that, thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. And you're dirty brown water trash, and you're always going to be dirty brown. Water trash!